You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and how to create a vibrant and thriving home staging business. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 152. Hey guys, as you know, 17 Hats was our main sponsor at SagerCon 2021. We recommend 17 Hats because it was a critical part of our home staging business and free us up from lots of paperwork, admin, and chasing clients with emails so that we can focus on what we love to do, which is staging. If you're like us, you probably didn't go into the business for the paperwork. You know, all those invoices, emails, reminders, to-dos, and just the incessant chasing after client for paperwork. So that's where 17 Hats comes in for us. It's like you cloned yourself. Their all-in-one platform automates your staging business. 17 Hats handles the tedious stuff like payment reminders, capturing leads, proposal, invoicing, and even scheduling. We actually created a resource guide for you on our site. Just go to stagerunner.com slash 17 Hats and find out more about how we use 17 Hats in our home staging business. If you're a current 17 Hats user, we would love to hear about your story too. You can submit your 17 Hats story on our site at stagemore.com slash 17 Hats. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So on this episode is actually the audio recording from last week's community talk. And originally I was going to do it with Pri, our new CMO, our chief marketing officer, but Pri actually came down with some sort of bug at the last minute. So I thought it would be better just me going along. I mean, I can talk about systems all day. If you don't know me already, I'm a bit nerd that way. I really think building systems really important, especially as a business owner. I feel like my response responsibility as a business owner is making sure different parts of business all flow together really smoothly and you know seamlessly if possible to make sure that all the operation marketing and everything that goes into the business are able to be executed on time and consistently and also be able to see or anticipate any challenges or problems that we might see coming up in the horizon and it's really important it's a bit like driving a car you need to kind of anticipate what's coming on so maybe when you're driving you saw on the gps that there's an accident up front then you know you need to slow down to make sure that you guys can get through that part of the road safely so this is why i think systems is really critical and also for our own home staging business we're able to leverage things like automation or technology or delegation to you know assistant and team member to make sure that we're able to perform at our peak performance so that we can deliver the quality staging that our clients want every single time consistently. I really talk a lot about that in this talk. And we talk about the key systems we need in the staging business and also the key system we need to support ourselves as a business owner too. So I think it's a really good talk. I talk about system for about 45 minutes and then we dug into the Q&A. People had a little bit of questions about pricing and things like that. So yeah, it's not too long of a talk. If you want to watch my face, you can obviously just log into our free company lounge online at stagemore.school. You can join. It's totally free to watch. If you want to watch the previous replay as well, like last month, we did one with Daniel and Sarah. They talk about workflow. And then one before we talk about parenthood and also, you know, having small children and while running and building your home staging business. And then one before we talk about building multiple streams of income. So if you want to catch the previous ones, they're also pulled for podcast episodes. But in addition, you can watch the actual presentation, except for mine. I don't really, I didn't really have a presentation. I just 
kind of talk about systems. But yeah, the other ones all have kind of some sort of presentations. Daniel and Sarah actually make drinks. That's quite fun as well. So you can watch all that replay in our free online community lounge at stagemore.school. So just a few quick reminders before we start the show today. Our monthly staging challenge, the submission just ended, and we are going to have a winner very soon. And we're also going to unveil and open the submission, the early bird submission for International Home Staging Awards. I think it's really exciting this year. We have really great jewelry. Uh, the real estate editor from Apartment Therapy is on the jewelry, so for sure, a magazine, an online media editor, a big one too, is going to be looking at all your projects. So make sure you submit because even if you don't win, you still have a chance to get featured. That's been what's happened with our monthly staging challenge and then also our past awards as well. I mean, every publication look at things differently. They're looking for different type of projects to feature. And we have a podcast episode coming up with Madeline, the real estate editor at Apartment Therapy, and she's going to talk about that process. So yeah, so I think it's really exciting time to enter. It's a really good year to enter too, because guarantee you're going to be like a press editor is going to be looking at it. So that's really exciting. If you're interested in applying for our certification program, our stage two is now open. It's going to close on April 1st, so just in a couple of days. This part of the program is actually application only, so you have to apply because we want to make sure that you have been working for a while. This part of the program is really for those of you who already have systems in place, but they're still imperfect. And then there's a lot of kings and growing pains you're dealing with right now in growing and stabilizing your home staging business. So this part of the certification program really is for those of you who want to work on your systems. We're going to be pulling them apart and then put your business back together so you can get a 360 degree review. We also have an external jury who's going to be looking at your final major project, which is going to be the full business plan of your staging business. So this is why throughout the entire four months, you're going to be working on this, pulling everything apart and then putting it back together so that we can make sure that our systems, workflow, everything in our business is running smoothly and seamlessly so that you can grow without feeling the pressure or feeling that you're not ready for it and things like that. We want to really help people to build really sustainable home staging business. It's really easy to start a business, actually. You know, you can just go down to your city hall, turn in your business application, but it's the aftermath, the actual building and sustaining the business. That is a really difficult part. I struggle a lot throughout building my business. I mean, even now, I feel like I have a good handle on the business, but still, like there's still daily challenges or quarterly challenges, just things that are, that are going to arise from running your business. So I think it's really important to kind of examine your system and then make sure you're ready so that your business can grow to where you want it to be. And with hopefully a quicker way, without a lot of tears and without a lot of wasted resources, that's what we're really here for. We want to make sure you can build successful home staging business that serve your purpose. And then also this participation program, it's four months. So you're going to be taking our brand new six-year floor plan course. I essentially basically knocked that course to the ground and then rebuilt it. This really is about building systems, future-proofing your home staging business, and then also think about ways to expand without exploding. So we've seen that with businesses as well. Like when they grow too fast, 
and their infrastructure cannot support it. And then so they explode it instead. We don't want that at all. We want to make sure that you can build a sustainable business practice. We also have weekly workshops for three months, which are also live on our website. If you want to just take them out of cart, you are feel free to do so. We just had a really great one with Andrea. She taught about virtual staging consultation. She's been doing in-person consultations for a very long time. But after COVID, she kind of found this opportunity because she had to do a lot of virtual staging consultations instead. So this is actually something that she's building as part of her business model too. So it was really exciting to hear about how she were able to use like virtual staging consultation as a way to upsell into design services and, you know, other staging service that you may have. So I think that's really exciting. Andrea's going to be coming back to teach another workshop in June about working as an in-house stager. We are still working out the live workshop description, so that's not live yet, but we will make that live as soon as we figure that out. We also have three other exciting workshops coming up in April. So Ali is going to be teaching you about how to legally protect your home staging business so that if something were to happen, let's say worst case scenario, you're not going to not only lose your business, you're also not going to lose your personal asset too. I'm going to be teaching about presenting your home staging business. And that is just not only like a presentation class, but also how to sell yourself. Because I think a lot of times stagers feel shy about talking about themselves. And so everyone sounds about the same. So it's really about honing in and drilling down what exactly is your unique selling position and how do we make that very memorable and like pow, people immediately remember you and they will call you when they have a potential staging coming up. And then my good friend Galen is coming back. You might remember her from SagerCon 2020. Galen has an amazing way to really break things down, like break technical things down into really easy, understandable information. So she's going to be talking all about website building. Galen is not only a website designer, she also helps people strategize with their business. So a lot of times, like she look at not only the website aesthetically, but also looking at a functionally, you know, like SEO, but also how can we use this to improve client service and also tell the story of who you are as a stager. And she has some really cool tricks up her sleeve. So I'm really excited about that. And we have more workshop coming up in May and June. So make sure you go on our website at stationworld.com slash workshop to check out all the lineup. All right. So that's all my announcements. Let's start the show. Hi, guys. Welcome to this month's community talk. I'm sorry that Pri is not here with us today. She felt sick at the last minute. So it's just going to be me today. I hope that's all right. I don't have anything super formal recorded, but I think what we're going to do is chat about your home saving system. And since Pri is not here today, but she's sick. So what we're going to do is actually just do kind of the Q&A. A few things that's really important to think about is system is why should we have system? I think the most important thing is you want to make sure as a business owner that your business is always running very smoothly and very efficiently. So usually most of the time, there's three big systems that everyone talks about, which is marketing, operations, and then also your finance. I think finance is pretty self-explanatory, which we're not really going to dive into. Also, I'm not like a bookkeeper or tax accountant. I can't really give you any tax advice. But in general, I really recommend you to work with someone professional to really work on your finance, to make sure that you understand how does cash flow works, how does profit and loss work in your home staging business. It's really important to understand how you get paid 
as a home stager, especially for those of you who have inventory, for example, you need to figure out what is the depreciation like? What does that look like for you? If you buy a sofa at $800, how long does it take you to gain that investment back into your business? And how long does that mean that the whole couch is paid for? Things like that. So it's, I think it's really important to work with someone who understands how money works in your business and really figure out what are those really magic number for you. What is the ideal profit margin for your home staging business? That is really important. I think when we talk about finances, a lot of times people really focus on the revenue. How much do we bring in this month? But the conversation is really important is really to discuss how much profit are we actually making? Because you can make million dollars a year and you still lose money on the back end. So it's really important to think about how much profit are we actually making on each job? One of the things I think, especially in the beginning, it's important to get into the good habit of tracking a bunch of different numbers. So what is your revenue for this particular job? How much cost does it go into to run this job? Not only the job itself, but also the overhead cost. Because you have things like the rent for your warehouse or your storage unit, your phone bill, your computer, and all this stuff. These are all overhead costs that you need to kind of spread out evenly throughout the entire year across all your different staging projects. So those are kind of costs you need to associate, you need to account for in your job costing per job. So that's why it's really important to work with someone in finance to understand the profitability of your home staging business. And so then when the client comes back and say, oh, Cindy, I think this project, I think the quote is too high, then you can really confidently and then talk to them about, well, actually, this is the type of pricing we need in order to deliver the type of job that you want, the type of look and feel that you want you see on our website. We cannot do it for anything less. Or if it's a VIP client, then you can give them a little wiggle room if you want to. But you need to know how much discount you can give but you cannot know that until you have clarity of your home staging business and your profitability. So it's really important to work with someone to figure out what exactly is your metric number, the percentage of your profitability and stuff like that. Depending on your business, like how it's structured, it's going to look a little bit different for everyone. So if someone who's specializing in starter home, that number is going to look very different than someone who's specializing in luxury home. For someone who has inventory versus someone who has a lot of inventory, that number is also going to look a little bit different. So it's really important to work with someone to figure out what does that picture look like for you in terms of finance. So that is one of the main systems you need to pay attention to in your home staging business. It's that you need to figure out what the finance looks like. What is a healthy finance picture for you in your home staging business? I think the other big one is marketing. And then the next one is operation. And these two kind of tie hand in hand because a lot of things when you're working on marketing, you know, even with when we were running our staging business, we try to leverage technology as much as we can to automate a lot of things. Because ultimately, I had a very lean business operation. So it was only me and my sister. And most of the time we spent on the job sites. So I didn't really have a lot of time to do admin. So a lot of times I need to use things like 17 hats, for example, to automate a lot of different things in my home staging business. And marketing is really important because a lot of times when people get busy, I made this mistake many times. 
when we get really busy at staging, we drop the ball on marketing. So we weren't making presentations. We weren't doing newsletter. We weren't posting on social media. We were just really busy. Because you know, you're on your feet for 10 hours a day. The last thing you want to do is go home, go on Canva and make a bunch of graphic for Instagram, right? You're tired. So it's understandable. But the thing is that if you don't market right now, a few weeks down the line, you're not going to get calls from agents. That's the thing. So it's really important that you always have something that is going out consistently because marketing does take consistency. This is why, you know, big brands like McDonald's, Starbucks, they always advertise. You drive in the car, you will hear them on the radio, you see their ads on television. They even have product placements in movies and TV shows. All these things is because they want to make sure they are top of mind. So when you think of coffee, you think of Starbucks. You don't think about Dunkin' Donuts or Pete's Coffee or your local boutique coffee shop. When you look at hamburgers, fast food, the first thing you see is McDonald's, things like that. So even though they have really big businesses, they're still investing a lot of money and time into their branding and their marketing strategy. So it's really important to think about marketing in terms of how can I make this a consistent thing in my business? So a lot of times it doesn't take a lot either. So what you need to do is just build into your schedule, have some sort of consistency. Maybe you work on your marketing 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes or five minutes even. Some things you can do or you can delegate out. So maybe have a virtual assistant or someone who's a social media manager who's specializing those things to help you to alleviate kind of those bottlenecks that always get stuck on you as a business owner. Most of us are going to start our business probably with ourselves only working the business, or maybe we have one other partner, like we work with our friend or our partner in life. But the thing is, like, both of you are going to be really focusing on the business operation. You're not really going to think about marketing, but it's something that we have to do to make sure we keep feeding into the funnel to make sure that we have jobs after the one we're working on. So a lot of times people are forgetting that they need to do marketing. So this is the thing where I recommend you to kind of block out times in your calendar, say like Friday is your admin day. So maybe you would devote two hours to batch content, say that you are batching content for two hours. So you have these ideas you want to post. And I'm not saying you need to post every day on Instagram. It's a lot. Things like stories are really low hanging fruit. Those are great for behind the scenes. So if you're on the job site, you can just like take a minute to film to do like a quick walkthrough about what you're doing today at your staging job, what are some of the things you're facing right now. Or if you're in the warehouse opening new inventory, you can do an unboxing. That is really low-hanging fruit. All you need is your phone. We all have a camera now on our phone. We are all journalists, essentially. You can produce your own content very easily. And it doesn't have to be fancy with beautiful, gorgeous graphic. If you look at a lot of influencers like Gary Vee, for example, it's super raw. Like there are things he's just in a Uber, like he's recording and stuff like that. It doesn't have to be perfect. So do behind the scenes stories and stuff like that. Instagram algorithm loves that. They love live content. They love videos and stuff like that. So those are really low hanging fruit. And you can still producing content during your block of time. Like these two hours I'm going to devote on marketing. So maybe I'm going to get on the call and call 20 offices to schedule a presentation. Or I'm going to work on my presentation that 
I feel like need something. Or we just did like 20 jobs and two of them have really great stats. Like they oversold half a million dollars or something crazy. I'm going to write a blog post about it and I'm going to send it to everyone on my newsletter. So there are things that you can do by blocking time out to devote on specific things like that. And when you batch your content, it will make it so much easier because imagine in like a factory, right? When they make cookies or something like that, there's processes, right? And then there's conveyor bill. And then so each part of the process has a one very specific job. And that's why it's very efficient because for example, people in section A, all they're doing is checking if there's 10 chocolate chips on the cookie. I should not say this word my dog is right next to me. She thinks she's getting a T-R-E-A-T. And then the people in section B, all they're checking is, do we have 10 of these in the same packaging, right? So there's specific job for each person. And that's why it makes things so much quicker. If you're just blocking out time for two hours, all you're doing is marketing tasks. That is a lot already. That means you're doing it consistently every single week. And then same thing with newsletter. Those things can be pre-scheduled. Same thing with your social media. You don't have to invest in something really expensive, like a fancy software to do that. Facebook now has native scheduler that you can schedule both Facebook and Instagram. That makes it so much easier. You can also hire a high school kid for minimum wage. They can do those scheduling things for you. It's not as hard as we think to be. So marketing can actually be very easy and very chill. All you need to do is find a little bit of time in your schedule per week to make sure you are staying consistent and on top of mind of your real estate agents and your home sellers as well. In general though, I think it's much easier to target real estate agents because you can Google them. I can't Google home seller. I don't know who is selling their house three months from now. I did not train my third eye enough to do that. So I need to figure out where can I find real estate agent that I would like to work with. And also real estate agent comes in many kinds. There are people who specialize in buyers. There are people who specialize in selling and selling a very specific area. So as a home stager, as a business owner, you need to figure out who your ideal clients are and where can I find them? And how can I duplicate them? How can I find more of them? So referral is a big thing as well. So when you're structuring your marketing task, think about every single part of when a client is going to be in contact with your business. So it could be before staging, you're meeting them on the job site, doing the estimate. During staging, obviously, they're not going to be on the job site, ideally. But the thing is, you're going to be in touch with them like, oh, Courtney, you know, the staging project is done now. So everything is ready for you to go, blah, 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 kind of thing. And then afterward, we also need to have aftercare. We need to follow up to make sure, hey, Courtney, we just finished this project and I hope you like it. If you have a testimonial referral for me, I would love to have it. Just get into the good habit to make sure that here is my client checklist. Before, these are the XYZ things we need to do in a way of boarding them, right? To like get them familiar with our services, their first time working with us, or if they've been a consistent client, what are some of the things can I make it feel a little bit more special during this client journey, right? So for example, if you ever like fly in an airplane, you probably see mileage. For example, you can accumulate mileage 
when you repeatedly travel with this particular airline. So then you can earn rewards. I mean, my mom trained her mileage for like a new air fryer, for example. She's like, yeah, I got a new air fryer and stuff like that. So you want to think about there are some ways, what can I build in more value or more fun or whatever it is that creates customer loyalty in the long run for my home staging clients. So every single part, when a client's working with you, that is what we call a client journey. And the client journey doesn't end when the staging project is over because we want to have more project out of this one client, right? That means it's much less time for us to go out and get new client. I mean, they've done tons of marketing studies. It costs so much more money to acquire a new client who's not familiar with you instead of just getting this more projects, more jobs from this one particular client, the same client you already have, who's already familiar with you. But for some reason, as business owners, we always put the focus on the new clients instead of the clients we already have. So a lot of attention should be shifted in how can I create a better experience for my existing client right now? Maybe I look at my client database and I realize, oh my God, I haven't talked to Colleen forever. So I need to call her and say, hey, Colleen and Cindy, how are you doing? I was just thinking about you. It's the end of March now. And I just want to check in also because I know that you had a, quite a few listings with us last year this time. So I just want to make sure, is there anything we need to prepare for you? I can set inventory aside for you. Da, 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 da. So you just make them feel like, wow, Cindy's really thinking of me. She's thinking about what are some of the things that she can help my real estate business. So you want to position also in the shoes of your customer. What are some of the problems that you want to solve for them to make their life easier? So I always say that I was not the cheapest or the best looking stager in the Bay Area. But when my client worked with me, I want them to set it and forget it. So what that means is that they send me their homeowner. I deal with everything in regards to staging. I set the schedule. And because we include photography in our service, which is already built into my pricing. So they literally set it and forget it. They just send me their seller's name and phone number and I get everything done. And on this date, they know they're going to get their photos in the inbox. So essentially, the real estate agents are very hands-off. They don't have to worry or they don't have to follow up with me constantly. It's one less thing for them to think about. And that was really important for me when I was building my business because that helped me to cement my customer loyalty. Real estate agents don't really want to go out and look for new stagers all the time. I mean, I don't know if you ever have experience when you have to find a new installer for your home or a new plumber or whatever it is. It's really annoying. I have to go on Yelp or like Google to check all the reviews and call a bunch of people. It takes a lot of time. It's the same thing for agents. They don't really want to go out there and look for new stagers all the time to partner with. So it's really important for them to make sure that the one they're working with right now, they're really happy with. So do whatever you can to really boost that experience. So you can totally build that in as part of your marketing system and strategies as well. And that also ties into operations. And I think operations is really huge in staging businesses because there's so many moving parts. Even if you're just doing consultation, at a minimum, you still have to coordinate with a real estate agent and then also with your seller as well. So those are some of the things just from that, that can be a lot, right? Maybe you have a seller who has a hoarder tendency. We may have encounter clients like that who needs a little bit more handholding perhaps, or is their first time selling a house, or maybe they had a bad 
experience before staging and selling their house. And so they're taking it out on you. They come with baggage, right? It's kind of like a bad relationship that you're stuck in. There's a lot of moving parts. When you have inventory, that's even bigger, right? You need to coordinate with movers, with furniture, dealers or wholesaler, delivery schedule, assistance as well. So as your business grows bigger, your operations is going to become a little bit more complicated as you grow. This is why it's really important to figure out the key systems and then also the workflow templates, checklists, and stuff like that. How can I implement that into my staging business to make sure that they can help me run my business more efficiently? As a business owner, I feel like my primary job is really make sure that I'm really good at coordinating the different parts of my business to make sure overall the business runs like a smooth oil machine. And I can also anticipate potential problems coming down the line to make sure that we are okay for the next month or so. So during the peak season, before the peak season starts, I will look at my historical data. So last year this time, we're doing 20 jobs next month. So that means because I specialize in vacant, so I need to line up inventory for 20 potential projects. And so I need to call my real estate clients and figure out, hey, Jason and Cindy, I know last year this time we had 10 listings coming up in the next month from you. So I want to just check in to make sure that we have enough inventory on hand to supply and make sure we have can fulfill your needs to make sure you're not feeling like, do we have enough? Do I need to call an out-of-stager type of thing? So it's really important to have that communication with your client to make sure that they feel like they're taken care of, but also making sure that your internal operation is going to be taken care of. Ultimately, system is going to help you to avoid making a lot of costly mistakes, especially once your operation grows a little bit bigger. Let's say that someone dropped the ball and you forgot to call the mover. I mean, that is huge, right? Come staging day, mover didn't show up, then you're screwed, right? We don't want that at all. So there are things that you want to put in place, like a checklist. What are some of the things that we're moving through or like a milestone check? Whatever it is that helps you to get through individual project management. This is why we use things like 17 hats because in the workflow itself in 17 hats, we can just kind of slot things in and then there's automatic email triggers that either reminds me or remind the client automatically. We actually have quite a few blog posts on 17 hats on our website. So if you want to find out, just go to stagemore.com slash 17 hats. We have a whole section on that. And this is why we want to implement those operational strategies and also leverage technology to make sure that things are getting done on time. And ultimately, your system is going to help you lower the cost of doing business and then also keep your staging consistent. So one of the things I tell the students a lot is that it's really important to set the client's expectation. And one of the ways you can do that is to give them an idea of what it's like to work with you. So on your website, even in the beginning phase, like when they're still checking you out, they're not sure if you're a right stranger for them, you can already tell that story through your website, through your copywriting, or through your portfolio photos, or through your language, You know the way you communicate about your professional policies, the way you carry yourself on the job site with them during estimate time. All these things can help them to figure out what is it like to work with you as a stager. So throughout each time, you're kind of setting the expectation, deepening the trust and relationship organically with your potential home staging client. And one way to do that is to make sure that you are consistently delivering the product that they want. 
which is staging, right? So one of the things when people hire us, especially with service professional or even product as well, let's say you go to Gap, you buy a pair of jeans. You probably have the same expectation that this jean needs to look like this color every single time when you go buy it. For example, Gap has this 1969 jeans. It's like within their internal brand. So every time when you go buy this pair of jeans, you expect that the same quality, the same fabric, the same color, the same pattern. So it's the same with service as well. So every time they hire a staging, they expect to see what they see on the website. That same look and feel, the same style, or like the similar inventory kind of thing. And so in a way, they are buying for consistency. And that's really important. It's really important that the client feels safe with you. Because let's say they book a staging with you today. The staging looks amazing. They love it. And then they hire you again the next time. For some reason, there are a lot of issues on the job site and you didn't deliver at the same quality. Then client's going to be like, huh, that's strange. The next time when they're about to call a stager, they're going to feel a little bit afraid because they're not sure if they're going to get the same quality of staging the first time or if they're going to get a lesser quality the second time. So it's really important to make sure that your staging stays consistent across the board. And there are things that you can do within your internal operations to do that to make sure that you are every time delivering the same ideal product, the same staging that you're delivering to your staging client. And every time when they work with you, they know exactly what to expect. For example, we have a lot of templated emails. Before in the consultation or an estimate appointment, they will get a confirmation email spelling out exactly what to expect during the appointment and then what to prepare for before we show up. And then in case, if there's anything like an emergency, here's a number to call. If Cindy was going to be doing the estimate with you for this appointment tomorrow, if you have any issue or you're going to be late, please give Cindy a call. So they know exactly what to expect. The day before staging, same thing. They're going to get a confirmation email telling them we're going to be at the home roughly this time to this time, this window period. And then these are the leads of the job on site. If you have any issues or questions, please call them directly. Here's their cell phone number. And please make sure that all the construction are done. The electricity and water are on because we can't steam the bed without water or electricity. It's going to be an issue, things like that. And so we are constantly, every step of the way, being in touch with the client. And these are all automatically fired emails. Like, you know, it's templated. Everything is populated by the email. I can be sleeping or I can be on job site, really busy staging, and it's still being scheduled out and sent out automatically. So it's really important to make sure you have those kind of things put in. In the beginning, when you're setting up the system, obviously you're going to take a little bit more time to do. It's just the nature of the beast, unfortunately. It's just like Ikea furniture. Before you get to enjoy your bed, you got to put it together, right? It's the same thing. It was going to take you a little bit more elbow grease, but once you have it set up, it's going to save you a lot of time and money over the year or over the years. And then also the other thing too, having system is going to help you making sure your business function correctly and also increasing your profit, right? If there's less time I'm doing on admin, because I think as an owner, you don't feel it as much. But the thing is, every time you work, it's dollars going out of the door, right? Because you could be doing something else. Our time's unlimited and I don't have a clone. So if I am on 
my computer typing emails for an hour. That means I could have been out doing staging consultation and getting paid for that hour. Instead, I'm staying at home doing emails. In the previous community talk where we had Alicia and Jess on, when they talk about juggling parenthood, young children with running a staging business, Alicia talked about how she hires someone just to do her laundry. Sure, it's $20 an hour, but the thing is, while her person is doing the laundry at home, she's paying her $20 an hour. She's going out there on a consultation appointment that can bring her a design project or a staging project that's several thousand dollars, right? So there's that trade-off. So as a business owner, we can't think like an employee. We have to think like a CEO. We have to think like a business owner. What are some of the top producing, income producing things I need to do that only I can do? For example, going out doing consultation, whatever you charge, 250, 450, versus staying in the warehouse, typing things on an email or sending out contract or sorting pillows and stuff like that, where I could hire a high school kid or someone at $20, $25 an hour to do. So it's really important to think about those things. And I know in the beginning of your staging business, it's hard because you're in the survival mode, right? It's like feast or famine. We do have peak seasons, right? Like that's just the way staging is. We follow the school schedule. We're busy probably seven months out of the year. But there's five months still, we need to make sure there's income coming in. So this is why it's really important to kind of figure out these pillars, these systems, of what are some of the things we can do consistently to keep generating business. And so I realized this in the beginning, when everyone's in a survival mode, you're not really thinking about systems. And this is why I want to talk about this in the beginning, especially those of you who are just starting out. It's really important to get into the habit of putting these things in place. Because once you set this up, especially in the beginning of your business, you're not working as much. So you have time to carve out, to build the systems for you. And as you start working through it, you realize, oh, okay, actually, maybe this email template is better off later on in the client journey or whatever it is. You figure out, okay, we need to tweak here and there. Then it's much easier because you're just making tweaks. You're just maintaining the system. You're not building it from scratch anymore. The thing is, once you get out your survival mode, once you finish setting up your business, you're starting out, you start getting a pool of clients that you're consistent with, you're going to move into the next stage of your business where you're going to be experiencing a lot of growing pains. Those are challenges that we're going to start seeing. So once your business becomes more on track and more consistent, you're going to start finding all the growing pains that are going to come out, especially they're usually due to not having systems in place. So you're going to be like, oh my God, it's so chaotic all the time. I don't know what to do. I feel like, oh my God, I need to hire an assistant and dump everything on her. I've experienced that and I've seen that on our students as well. I realized when we were working as a stager, and also with the students. And this is why now with our curriculum and with the school, we're structuring everything a little bit differently. So like, for example, now we have five-year four-plan course that just help people set the foundation. And then six-year four-plan course, we're going to relaunch in a month or so. That is all about rebuilding your systems because you need to kind of get your foundation pieces down now, okay, we've done the legal stuff. We have the business license. We have the contract. We have proposal template and all that. Now we're getting more clients. Now there's more operational things that we need to figure out, the puzzle and things like that to make sure everything running more smooth. Then we need to start looking at our system. What is broken right now? What are pieces of it that are not running efficient? It's just like a machine, right? Maybe your car is broken down. 
we need to take it apart and figure out and diagnostic and figure out what are some of the things that we need to improve upon. This is how we structure our certification program as well. So basically it's like, okay, we do the foundation first, making sure those pieces are in place. And then we run it for a while. It's also like an experiment. Once you start running your business, you're putting your systems to work, then you kind of figure out where some of the bugs and their kinks are. And then we kind of sit down to assess, like how can we pull this apart and how can we put it back together to make things more efficient and more profitable as well. So essentially now we're just structuring everything according to like the natural business stage growth that how usually businesses are growing in different stages. And then lastly, I think we talk about finance today. We talk about marketing. We also talk about operations. And one of the things that people kind of usually ignore is the support system. Because I think a lot of times when people talk about running a business, we really focus on the business itself, but we forget ourselves. I was kind of like, not a victim of that, but I definitely made a mistake of ignoring myself throughout my business building journey. And so I would get really burned out very quickly. There are days where I don't want to get out of bed. I feel really depressed. I feel like ashamed of my business. I'm not more successful or whatever it is. Or like I could have gone on and get a boyfriend and get married, but instead I'm working on my business. So my parents say things like that. So you kind of have to take care of your own, who you are as a person, and then you can take care of business because most of us work as a solopreneur. A lot of times it feels like, oh my God, I'm just shouldering everything. There's so much to do. I'm like freaking out. I don't know what is going on. So one of the things we don't really talk about, I think in the industry is the support system that we need for ourselves in this business. Not only support for ourselves, but when you start growing, having a team, having assistants or in-house mover or even contractors. You still need to take care of your people too, right? Because as a business owner, you have to pay your employees and your contractors on time so that they can build their own lives. At the end of the day, everyone's just trying to make a living. But the thing is, you need to make sure you are supported to do that. So it's really important to think about what are some of the support systems that I can implement in my business. And this is also why as a school now, we really push for community. We're doing things like this, events like this, like community talk or SagerCon, because we want to help you find your staging BFF. I think it's really important to think about who are the people that can help me or we can mutually help each other. The easiest way is to find someone else in the same industry, but maybe you're not a direct competitor. Or even if you're in working in the same market as well, like we have students Ashley and oh my God, I'm blinking out her name, sorry. But the two of them work in the same area and then they do their marketing presentations together. They split their leads together. They even share a warehouse together. So even though they sometimes come up against each other during a staging estimate for a staging project, but it's okay because they just work together. They're kind of like their staging BFF and then they help and support each other. And you can find that either virtually someone who's like from another area that you can play ideas with, or you can do that locally as well. And this is why we as a school really push for community. A lot of you are on the call now. You're probably already part of our online community lounge, I really encourage you to post in there and then start talking to people. Pre, for example, who could not make it today, for some of you who are coming in later, Pre is actually sick. So last minute, she had some sort of weird summit bug, so she can't be up here. But the thing is, she's my business BFF. We essentially chat and text almost every day. And we actually just met in a mastermind and like a coaching group. 
And so I think it's really important to think about those kind of things when you're working in your staging business. You can get support from either friends or family. And sometimes that can be difficult because maybe your friends and family don't have their own businesses or working for a corporation. So they don't really have the same consideration or challenges as you do at work. They may not be as understanding as well in terms of what are some of the day-to-day issues that you're facing with? What are some of the things that can they help to support you with? So you can find that through the staging community as well. Just doing whatever you can to find those support for you because you do need a sounding board. Another way you can do is also like mastermind and then also business coaching as well. Those are some of the things that we also implement in our bigger program, like certification program, because we realize that people need support. And I've seen it as well with students going through the school, through the school curriculum, the more successful people usually have a strong support system. Like Alicia, who was on the community talk, she has a really strong support system because she had made time to implement those systems in her home life and also her business as well. But she is mother to young children. So she implemented structures like meal planning, for example, like having people coming in to help her with the day-to-day running of the household, things like that. So she can carve out time to make sure she can pick up and drop off her kids. And then she implements systems in her business to make sure that she can still meet her school pickup and drop-off schedule so that during the time where she has to pick up her kids, her staff, her assistant can go out and do consultation in her place and things like that because they're already trained to do that. So you can implement systems to figure out what are some of the things I can do to alleviate my stress, whatever is on my plate, or things that prevent me to hire in my most high-functioning zone, that type of thing. And then last thing, I also want to just discuss ways to future-proofing your business. And I think COVID has really changed a lot in terms of real estate landscape. We're seeing Generation Z buying houses now, and their buying behaviors are changing. So traditionally, a lot of people buy houses, either a single woman buying for themselves or single men, or they're buying it as a family or as a couple, right? But that is changing. We're now seeing friends getting together, buying a house together. We're seeing unconventional marriage systems. And we're starting to read about people who are like best friends, they're same sex. Two women, they're best friends and they want to support each other in their life journey. So they get married. It's just a supportive marriage. It's like asexual, essentially. The people's buying behaviors and living behaviors are changing. And so we as stagers, we have to change accordingly as well. It's really important to figure out where are some of the trends right now. If you're running into a scenario where you're staging a lot of houses being bought by Generation Z, and it's scenarios where it's a bunch of friends buying a house together, then we can no longer use kind of our traditional norm of staging. We need to figure out how can we appeal to a broader range of buyer. It could be that the house has two master bedrooms, right? If it's two friends buying a house together. So we have to kind of look at what is the trend that's happening in our current market to make sure that we are staying on top of mind when it comes to figuring out your staging plan and your system building. And then also how can we tweak our operations to make sure that we're operating at the highest efficient level. So that's basically my spiel today. I still took pretty much 40 minutes. So yeah, I'm a big systems person in case you can't tell. I mean, 
it's a shame that Pri's not here because she's sick. But even working with Pri, it's like, for example, I started my business after I worked for a nonprofit. And I started my business at 25. So I didn't really have any sort of corporate experience, but Pri does. So when she comes in to start working with us as a CMO, which is chief marketing officer, she brings in kind of like her corporate side of things as well. And that also changed my working pattern too. Like a lot of ways it made me a little bit more efficient because I'm being more conscious and aware of my time. And then also I'm really now like there are days where I'm just spent all day writing courses or days where I'm just figuring out operation stuff. So it becomes more efficient when I'm like just really chunking out my schedule as well. So those are some of the things to consider when you're starting to expand and grow your home staging business. I think those are kind of things that you want to look for. And just a little quick shameless plug, we are opening up for enrollment for the second phase of our certification program. And this part for four months is really diving into your system. This section of the certification program is ideal for people who are already working. So it's an application process. You need to apply to be part of it. And every week you will have a one-on-one with either me and or Kristen. Kristen is another teacher on the program. She's like a TA as well. But the thing is, she has a really great background because she is a real estate broker with Compass in Philly and she has 18 agents under her. So she's an expert when it comes to working with, with real estate agents. She also owns a staging company. So she has both sides of perspective. So you have a one-on-one with us. We either one of us every single week, and then we're going to really help you restructure your systems, your workflow, and then also help you really get a 360 degree review of your home staging business. So that enrollment is open right now until the end of March. If you want more information on that, just go to our website, stagemore.com slash certificate, and you can find out all about that. Maggie is asking how to evaluate the pricing of staging. So there are a few things. So one of the things we talked about early on in the beginning when we were looking at your finance is that you need to make sure you understand the numbers and how the numbers work in your business. So let's say you carry inventory. So when I buy a sofa, for example, how long does it take for me to get all the costs back to get that return on investment? And the other thing too is that when we buy inventory, there's depreciation, right? Depending how you write off your inventory. So those are some of the things you need to work with your finance person with to make sure you figure out what is your ideal profit margin. So first of all, when you're going into evaluating the pricing of staging, you need to kind of figure out like what exactly is my cost of doing business and what is my ideal profit margin so that you can make an informed and educated decision when it comes to structuring your pricing. And the next thing is the larger environment, right? So like what exactly is the market rate of staging in your local area? So I always use hair salon as an example because, you know, you can go to Supercut and get a haircut for $20 or you can go to a really nice expensive boutique salon and get a haircut for $1,000. It's just hair. At the end of the day, it depends who you want to go to. It's your choice as a consumer. But the thing is, why is there such a huge range it could be the infrastructure, supercuts, for example, the store is not as nice. It's very basic. Whereas you go to a nice boutique salon, you get champagne when you come in and fresh assortment, I don't know, tea sandwiches, whatever it is. You can watch Sex in the City where you get your hair done. Ambiance is a bit different. Or you're getting a haircut from someone who also cut Meg Ryan's hair or Angelina Jolie's hair. Obviously, that price is going to be a lot more. 
it just depends. So you need to figure out where exactly you fall within the marketplace. Ultimately, it's still supply and demand. You cannot fall too far from the market. Unless you're like Martha Stewart, you're super famous and you can charge whatever you want. But most of us are not like that. So when we're coming in, starting out as staging, you kind of need to figure out what exactly is the low end of the market and the high end of the market. And where do you sit? Because the thing is, the client needs to understand, they need to see the value that you bring to the table in order to pay the price they're willing to pay. How can Beyonce charge a million dollars a wedding to sing two songs? Is because she is Beyonce, right? People know her value. But the thing is, if the client doesn't see you as a Beyonce, they see you as some random stranger, they're not going to pay you a million dollars to come sing at a wedding for two songs. It's the same thing with staging. You need to figure out where exactly do you stand within the marketplace and then where the values that you're delivering. You need to also communicate that with a client as well. So pricing in a way is a bit complicated, I thought. But the thing is, ultimately, you need to understand how math works. How much profit do you want to make per job? What is the overall cost to run this home staging business throughout the entire year? Because when you're doing job costing, again, you're not only thinking about what it costs to do this one particular job. You also need to account for other costs that goes into running the business, like water, electricity, phone, computer, subscription, membership to association, courses, warehouse, buying inventory, and all this stuff. That's your overall cost. It's going to get average out. I'm just using easy number. Let's say you do 20 projects a year and your cost of doing business is $10,000. So your average job per cost will be $10,000 divided by 20. So you need to make sure that you are covered each individual project with your overall head cost. So that's kind of like pricing in a nutshell. And then within pricing the project, you also need to make sure that Obviously, people need to get paid at the market rate. Otherwise, they're going to leave. You need to also make sure that your inventory costs get covered and then your own labor gets covered as well. That's usually how I look at pricing. I know it's still very vague, but a lot of it, you really have to do the homework on yourself. You need to really figure out what exactly is the number, what is the number I need. So for example, our bookkeeper comes into our business every quarter. Same when we did our staging. She will come to the warehouse every quarter. I give her my box of receipts and then she does the math. And then before she leaves, we have a chat for 15 minutes, just going over how we did this quarter what were the sales like? And then she gives me my number. Cindy, you need to hit $12,000 a month next month to hit even. Those are kind of things that you need to know. You need to kind of figure out. And someone can help you do that if you don't know how. So this is why I think it's important to work with a finance person and to meet with them periodically to really examine, to see if you're on track with your revenue and profit. Yeah, I love it, Colleen. Colleen says, I would love to chat with other stagers if you ever want to share ideas and experience. I hope everyone find their staging BFF. Bobby McGrath, for example, she's my staging BFF. We don't talk a lot, but when we talk, we're on the phone for hours. We pick it up just like that. I have to give her credit, actually, because we're talking about future-proofing our businesses, actually. Because I'm working on remodeling our six-year four plan course, so we're just talking about business structure and stuff. And I was like, yeah, but Generation Z is buying houses now, which is crazy. It's insane, right? And then it's friends buying a house together. She's like, yeah, she's seeing it in her market where they're starting to stage for two master bedrooms. 
And so it's no longer the primary bedroom or secondary bedroom. Every bedroom essentially becomes primary in the house because if that's a scenario where every friend is buying the house together, no one wants to buy the guest bedroom, right? They want the primary big big bedroom. So those are some of the things that is changing our real estate landscape. And we need to know exactly what's happening with the buyers. Because I think most of the time we place the focus on real estate agent and our seller and we forget the buyers. But the thing is, buyers are really the people who inform us our staging decision. Everything we do, everything, inventory, color, whatever texture, pattern, it's all about the buyers. It's not really about the seller or about the agent themselves. It's really about what the buyers, the buyers are dictating what we put into the house. Elena says, I find it very hard to find out in my area, you're in Toronto, the low and high end staging prices. It seems like nobody talks about it. It's very frustrating. I understand. So I think you just have to reach out to people. If there's like a local stagers that you can hang out with, it's good to chat pricing in general. And then also you can also ask real estate agent because they hire stagers all the time. I mean, some of the things are pretty fairly easy to find out. For example, like consultation prices, usually people have those on their website because that's usually fairly consistent. And then individual insulation will change, obviously, because there's many factors that go into that. One of the things is just, you know, make other stager friends. I don't know how it is. Some areas are not very friendly, but you will find stagers who are like, want to connect with you and stuff like that. I think it's good to actually be open and transparent about pricing structure because I don't know if you ever have this experience. Let's say you go travel, right? Like you go to Greece, for example, and there was always like these strips of area where they sell tons of souvenirs, like magnets or like lavender bunches. I don't know, whatever it is, lotion. But if you walk into every souvenir store, everybody sells the magnet roughly the same price. Then it's really about the product itself. Like, do I like this magnet or not? Or do I like the magnet next door? I'm not talking about price fixing. That's a whole new different thing. But I think it's good to kind of have a gauge. And that's why I also encourage you guys, if you find your local stagers that are on the same wavelength as you, like the same vibe, be friends and chat about things. And you guys also can collaborate. So I think it's really important to figure out who are working in your area or just reach out to them. I know right now it's really the peak time. Everyone's busy, but you can also reach out like, do you want to have a coffee sometime? Just chat shop or we can go to shows, design things together, that kind of thing. It's good to kind of talk to people and then just be open and honest about that. But not in a way like, tell me, tell me how much you charge for that price. How much money did you make on that project? Don't be like invasive about it because I think there's a better way to do it. Elena says real estate agents usually tend to communicate prices lower than they are. That is very true. So obviously take it as a grain of salt and then verify yourself. But I would say just talk to other sagers, like befriend them, especially sagers whose work you really like, but their different style as you. Obviously you're not going to be competitors. If you do like shabby chic and she does Victorian style, you're not going to be competitors to each other because your style looks too different. Just befriend them. I think it's good to just like call up to people. I think our generation calling people is fine. With the younger generation, they're terrified of their phone. So maybe text them if you're like in the millennial or generation Z. Maggie says, I wish I can join your group. You can. Our community lounge is free. Just go to stagemore.school and you can sign up and get access for free. 
So if someone says product and staging is different, it is service and art, so the price would be different. Yeah, but the thing is, there's still a price tag attached to that, right? So you need to do the math and figure out what exactly am I going to price my service at? For example, if you get artwork in, let's say $100 a piece, this is just fake number. And then you figure out, it takes me to rent it out 10 times to make the money back, then that's how you price your rental price. Most rental, I think for inventory, people kind of say 20%. That's usually the number, but you have to do your own math. So for example, we specialize in starter home before, and depending on the inventory piece, so like a sofa, for example, could be 15%, where an artwork could be 25%. And just because the profit margin, the cost of doing business, like the cost of buying a piece of really nice artwork is different than a couch that I can just get in at like the base price for $300 that is going to be priced differently. So you kind of have to figure out what exactly is your pricing for the general category. For example, I'm not going to sit there and then count, okay, I put 20 plates in the kitchen cabinet, so I'm going to charge them 50 cents. I'm not going to do that. That's cost me a lot of time on the back end, right? I'm not going to sit there and count every single plate and every single stem of fake flour we put in. So we usually just have a general price. So if we put a one bin of accessory into living room, that is $75 per bin or whatever it is. There's still price tag attached to things. You just need to figure out what those are individually. Brittany says, I'm interested in a script system or system if some sort to say to agents who are saying staging isn't needed in this real estate market right now. I understand pivoting and pushing other sides of business like redesign, et cetera, but still want to make sure I'm pushing the value of staging. So we actually have a product on our side called the book of scripts. So we have a lot of scripts. So it's all scripts and templates that you can find. And you can go on our website to look for it. Just go to stationware.com slash shop and then click on the tab that says template and guides. You will find it. It has a lot of different scripts, even dealing with team member issues, stager who are a bit naughty, like copying our website, for example, when clients say the darnest things like, can I have a discount or you broke something kind of thing. And then so you can definitely do that. The other thing too, I want to encourage you to write your own script to figure out what are some of the things you say to clients all the time, start writing them down and then start figuring out how can I polish this and say this in a really pragmatic way. So for example, if a client's coming to you say like, well, staging isn't needed in this real estate, then what do you say back, right? There are things you want to say, but you cannot say, right? But there are ways you can say that very nicely. When agents come to you and then say staging isn't needed in this market, I would just reiterate A lot of times you can Google and then find out, let's say you go to Zillow, for example, you can find out comps in the area that are staged versus unstaged. But that's one thing you can do. You can send them the visual comparison. This is a house in this neighborhood. This one is staged and this one is not staged. They both sold last week. And here's a price difference. In real estate business, real estate agents are trained to do CMA, which is comparative market analysis. It's essentially like a document they use to pitch their home seller to hire them as a real estate agent. And usually in the CMA, they will do comps. So comparisons of homes in the market that is similar to the listing that they want to get. So for example, this house in particular is 1,800 square feet, three-bedroom house, that is going on the market right now and they want the business, they want to do that listing. And then so then what they would do is they will look at 
homes in the neighborhood that are similar in size and even floor plan, for example, and then pull their sole price, their listing price, and then sole price. And they would recommend what the house is being listed as. So you can also do that for your staging business. You can pull the comps and be like, this is with staging and this is without staging. And here is the difference. The numbers don't lie. That's the other thing. You need to understand exactly how real estate agents think. How do they run their business? If they're really used to that format of CMA, like comps, for example, then sending them a comp with staging, without staging, immediately that's persuasive. So you have to figure out ways to present your home staging business. I'm actually teaching a workshop next month on that. Feel free to sign up. Just go to stagemore.com slash workshops and you can find out a bunch of different workshops we're hosting this spring. So like Andrea is doing virtual consultation, for example. She actually has done thousands of in-person consultation. But after COVID, she find that things shifted a bit. Obviously with COVID, they had to do a lot of virtual consultation. So now she's actually expanding it because she realized that she no longer has that geographic limitation with virtual staging. So in the workshop, she's also going to talk about how do you use consultation as a way to upsell your design or your redesign services. So that could be a really juicy workshop for you guys to attend. So there's tons of different ones. Like Galen is teaching one on website, how to deal with issues on your website. Like what are some of the key things you want to make sure that you highlight on your website in terms of layout and format type of thing. And Daniel's teaching about workflow in May. Bobby is going to teach two workshops with us as well. It's not live yet, but she's still working out the description. A lot of staging school focus on helping people start their business, but not so much about helping you stay in business. Our focus is both. We help you get started. We also want to make sure you can make a sustainable home staging business. So we always have courses or workshops going on. So feel free to check the website on that. Maggie's asking, do you have Facebook? We have Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on all the major social media at Sage You can also just join our free online community lounge, which I think most of you are on. But I'll pop the website in the chat box. Just go to stagemore.school and you can just join for free. Mary says, do you include the accessories you bring in when you gave the example of, say, $75 a bin into staging costs? Yes. Every single thing that goes into the project needs to be accounted for in your pricing. Let's say your best friend comes, help you on a staging job. She doesn't cost you a dime except love and appreciation. You still need to bill her out to your client. Because let's say the next job, your best friend is not there anymore. You need to hire someone that is still going to cost you money. But because you didn't charge your client last time for your assistant, and this time you are, they're going to be like, what is this $500 increase on the proposal? They're going to bulk at the price increase. So you need to make sure everything needs to be accounted for in your pricing proposal. Some people's quotes say $500 a stage. Do you include accessories bin into that or track it? I always put everything in the staging fee. You'll have to. That's the other thing. Like, Just think about how you are as a consumer as well. Don't you hate fees? When you like look at your bank statement, what is this $25 check fee? I don't know now, but it used to be you can only cash 10 checks with your business account. And then if you cash more than 10 checks, they will charge $5 per check in addition. It's just like all these useless fees, right? With banks. But the thing is like, as a consumer, don't you just hate that? 
I hate that. So I don't want my client to hate that as well. So usually when I do my proposal, everything is included. They only see that one number and then that's it. That also gives them less opportunity to come back and bargain with me because some sales seller may be like, can you give me an itemized receipt? Like how many pillows are you going to put into my staging? I'm not going to sit around and then count if I put 12 pillows or 20 pillows into your staging and then charge you accordingly. I'm just going to bill it out. So I usually just give people one line item. This is the overall cost that's including everything, service and inventory, and that's it. So it gives people very little room to bargain for. They can be like, oh, so 20 pillows is going to charge me $75. Can I just have 15 then instead of 20? Why do I need 20? That kind of thing. So I don't want to give a lot of opportunities for my clients to like bargain with me. Lola says, my first staging in 2006 was a virtual staging. Yeah, I mean, times are changing, you know? I think it depends. Like if you're doing virtual staging consultation, you're telling seller exactly what they need to do to accomplish. That is very different than like someone use Photoshop to virtually stage the house. I'm much more favorable at you doing a virtual staging consultation because I think virtual staging, there's still a lot of issues in terms of execution and it can be misleading as well because you're not really seeing the scale, the realistic scale. And we've seen that with virtual stagers who just do the Photoshop thing. So Elena says, sometimes agent asks to itemize or break down the cost for inventory rentals and staging services to see how we arrive at each cost. I find it time consuming to itemize stuff like that. As sometimes we don't know, example, the sofa goes into a room, which you armchair instead, it would depend on availability. Can you please clarify how to deal with this type of request? So this is covered in our book of scripts product, but I will give it to you here as well, because I think this is really common. Probably people want to find out. So one of the things I always say is that I tend to overbring inventory on a project because I want to make sure you get the best quality of staging by the time we're done with it. So maybe I bring 20 pillows and I only use 10. I'm just going to charge you 10. Like I'm not going to overcharge you for the things I overbring. We just overbring in general because we want to ensure the quality of staging. And sometimes when we get on a job site, things might shift it from our original design plan. So maybe when I move into the job site, like I realize a sofa with two armchair is a better combination than bring us two sofas. Things like that. So that's why I cannot give you an exact itemized list in terms of what we're going to bring. If you want an itemized list of the things that we're going to bring, we can provide you with that. But the thing is, my assistant needs to sit down and then do that at the computer and also pulling all the things and stuff like that to put it in the spreadsheet. Her rate is a $25 an hour. Roughly, this is going to take her four hours. So are you okay us to charge an additional $100 for it? Because our original proposal does not include any additional administrative tasks or anything that is not originally included in the proposal. So at this time, you want that additional service, we are happy to provide it, but it's going to be at this rate. Usually people will be like, it's going to cost me $100 to get an itemized list, then it's okay, I don't need it. So that's usually how I pragmatically ask clients not to make me do extra work because it's going to cost them extra. And it's true, like we're very clear on our proposal. This is the things that it's included in the proposal. So the service proposed, that means the prep, the installation and wrap and pack, delivery both ways and also restocking. And then we are also very specific in the expectation documents like emails and stuff. Anything additional, 
other than this purpose, it's not included in the pricing. So anything outside of that, let's say that we arrive on the job site, the construction is not done, and we need to work around your contractors, then that costs three extra hours on the job site. That was not original included in the proposal. We will have to bill you separately for that. So that also creates that sense of urgency that the client needs to make sure the house is prepped before we show up on the job. Otherwise, additional costs might be incurred. And we make sure we tell client this. This is about setting the expectation. Sure, you give them the contract, but do most people read the contract? No, they just sign it. And I don't want to come back to bite me, right? So I want to make sure that I remind client gently and professionally that this is what's happened every step of the way. There are potential additional charges might incur if the house is not prepped for whatever reason or if you request additional labor. Things like redelivery, for example, I don't like this sofa. Can you change a new one? Sure, we have a redelivery charge and restocking fee. Are you okay with this X number? If so, then we can schedule it. And I don't think it's being greedy about money or anything like that. You're just being fair. This is the cost of doing business. I'm a business owner. You're requesting things outside of our original proposal. Then we need to build accordingly for it. That's just the way it is. Also, delivery matters. It's really important. You need to practice your delivery. If you're like, yeah, it's going to cost additional $200 to re-deliver that sofa. Is that okay? Clients going to be like, no, that's not okay. But if you just... Very matter of fact, yeah, sure. Like we can reschedule it for sure. It's going to cost us $200 additional. If you approve this additional invoice, then we can go ahead and schedule that. Just very matter of fact, then people are like, oh, okay. Or no, that's fine. We don't need it. Thank you so much again to support us throughout all these years. We just turned 16 years old. My business is now a teenager. So again, if you have any questions, you don't know where to find any of these things we talk about on our website, just feel free to instant message us. You can find us on Instagram. That's the quickest way, usually DM, or you can email us, or you can just like message us in the community platform as well. And I hope you all connect with each other as well. It's really important to build in support in your home staging business. And I cannot stress that enough. You need to take care of you before you can take care of your clients. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging. Happy staging.